a stu stu Studio D production. Family other than grandpa. But I really do think that grandpa <laughs> is the most proud of you. I don't think so. I think so. I think so. I absolutely I really do think, think so. so. <laughs> <laughs> like he loves us all and he's proud of us all, but I think, I think you are the, the shining star for him. Oh Just like George is going to be the... <laughs> George is going to be the most proud of you once you get that degree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going to be the only child of his that has a degree. I went from the utter disappointment to the fucking like like golden star. star. And I went from skating by <laughs> to just still skating by. <clears throat> we won't say where I've been or where I'm going because it's not pretty. Um, Grandpa said that he wants to. Uh, Aaron Sit down, I want to tell you a story A really weird and messed up story With murdering ghosts and gobbly ghouls It's all really fucked up, so don't you be fooled you four years It's effed up family story time Hello everyone, welcome to effed up family story time I'm Hannah and I'm Salem. And with us today, we have Belle. Hey! And our friendly little guest. <laughs> friendly little guest. Ryan! Guten Tag. Our friendly little guest. <laughs> our friendly little guest. <laughs> I'm still a little guy. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. I don't know why I said that. That just, like, came out. <laughs> it's great. It was perfect. <laughs> He's my little guy. <laughs> best friend. <sighs> People, let me tell so you Kyle didn't know. I forgot friend, to tell Kyle that you were coming to the podcast today. But I like asked him to make sure that we had the money for me to pay for those Fall Out Boy tickets. And I was thinking today about how excited I was to see you and how excited I was to go to Fall Out Boy. And I just like sighed out loud. I was like, I love Ryan. <laughs> and <laughs> Kyle and I were like... <laughs> he goes... He like knew that I was excited about the podcast, and he was like, "I wonder what the forecast of Ryan is." And I was like, hundred percent. I'm gonna see him in like an hour." <laughs> I do that sometimes too, and so does James. We'll just be sitting there, and we're like, oh, "We love Ryan. <laughs> we miss him." So sweet. No, I love it. I'm glad you were able to come back and do yeah, another show. I'm excited for D and D. We gotta get James to get his shit together. <laughs> I know. Listening, James. If you haven't gotten your shit together by the time this is edited, <laughs> then we have a problem. He does. He listens to every episode, too. So I know. And he was giving me shit last night for not listening to the episode that he was on. I know. All right. Well, Ryan, would you like to share with us what any current projects that you're working on or? Yes, I will plug again. Uh, Spring Awakening with Family Theater. We open March 25th up in North Glen. Um, and yeah, you can find tickets if you go on family's website. It's a great disability uplifting theater company. So come support local disabled actors. Yeah. Woo. Woo. Local theater and local disabled actors. I think it's great. I like that they, it's kind of like, it makes me think of the theme park that Jesse talked about yeah. a couple of episodes ago where they have like this, this amusement park that is built specifically to accommodate disabled people. And it's like that idea of something being for disabled people rather than something that is made for average people that disabled people have to then accommodate to. And so I think <coughs> it's really cool. It's like a, it's a safe place. I like it. Yeah. 
cool. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, I guess I'm going to get into my story. All right. So it's me telling the story. <laughs> Anna, host me. So tell that who's story. Who's telling the story today, Bob? <laughs> it's you. You're telling <laughs> the story today. Mom, come on. Ladies down. and gentlemen, welcome to the stage. Mom. <laughs> I hate that. Don't call me mom anymore. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. I call you mom at work. I'm just like, yeah, mom. I usually Everybody's don't like, mind, but now, right there, I did. I was like, I am more than mom. No, just mom. I have a name. Your name is mom. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, I am telling the story. Mom is telling the story today. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about cursed paintings. Ooh. And one cursed painting in particular, but. Um, beforehand, I want to, I, because it's not the, a super long story, so I do want to touch on two, I'm going to talk about two specific curse paintings. So there's, look up curse paintings, there's a hundred of curse, 100 curse paintings exactly. out there in the world. A hundred. <laughs> no there more. Can, a new no, there can only be a hundred. <laughs> of curse Every paintings. time a new one is created, the other one bursts into flames. Yeah. <laughs> the oldest. <laughs> 100 of curse paintings out there. And, um, but I found, there was one specific story that sparked this then, but I found another cursed painting that I'm going to start with. And it is, while, while you're looking for that, this reminds me of the Guillermo del Toro that's Cabinet of Curiosity. Because ah! James and I like just watched the episode of the cursed painting that's based off of some, some Lovecraft story. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't remember which one, but <laughs> I like that one a lot. So first I'm going to give a list like of the the most commonly listed cursed paintings. So there is the portrait of Bernardo de Galvez, portrait of Henrietta Nelson, um, Man Proposes, God Disposes. That sounds pretty. Uh, Mia Novia, The Dead Mother, The Crying Boy, The Hands Resist Him. That one's fucking... Ew. That is a creepy story. I'm going to go into that one too, I think. The Anguished Man... And the paintings of Arshil Gorky, Love Letters, Pogo the Clown. It's not listing the one that you mentioned. Is it a real? No, no, no. It's a Lovecraft a... story. Okay. Oh, okay. my God. The Hands Resist Him. I've seen this yeah. picture. They did an episode of this on that spooky. Yeah. The Hands Resist Him is a really creepy one. The Anguished um, Man is. The Anguished Man? Yeah. It's weird. Ugh. That one is weird. Yeah. yeah. And it, that one is said, the Anguished Man is said to have the artist's blood in the paint. I believe that is the one. Oh, that's a easy way to curse a painting if you're feeling up for it. <laughs> oh, I've seen this painting. I think before. that's the one. There is one. I think that is the one. Anyway, um, and then there's the stagecraft, the rain woman, and the scariest picture on the internet in parentheses real. So I don't think that's real. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reading a list. This isn't the article I originally read, but I think those are basically the same paintings that I had uh, read about. So one of the ones I chose to talk about was the portrait of a lady. And that was on there, wasn't it? That one wasn't on there. That what, Like I said, that wasn't the article I originally read. And for some reason, I didn't print everything out because that's what I do. That's how I roll. There's a lot of paintings apparently called, called portrait, portrait of, of a lady. lady. Who to think? Giving your painting a vague title. I think it's this really one because you said Luna and this the artist's name is Juan Luna. Yes. Okay, so it's one. this one. It's this one. It's so yeah. she is pictured laying in bed, like almost po post coital. 
You know what I mean? There's something that's kind of seductive. I see her nipple. Yes. <laughs> and there, and so we'll get, so The Portrait of a Lady by Juan Luna. In 1886, Luna was 29, and he married the love of his life, Maria de la Paz Pardo de Tavera, or simply Paz. <laughs> After marrying, they sailed to Europe, making sure to stop by Venice and Rome before finally settling in Paris. Two years earlier, Luna had created the spoilier, spoilier, spoilerium. I don't know. <laughs> Spoliarium. 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 Which which won one of several gold medals at at some exposition. What was it? I think it's a painting. Oh, I think it's a painting. (laughs) It's called the Spoliarium. Look it up. So uh, Luna and Paz... They lived happily for the first few years of their marriage, and they had a son, Andres, who would later become one of the Philippines' most discerning architects in the pre-war period. Luna and Paz also had a daughter, Maria, who died during childbirth. Textbooks, they always painted a positive image of the life of Juan Luna. The most glaring and terrifying and tragic events of his life that haunted Luna were glossed over and ignored. And that was that he killed his wife and her mother. Oh, my God. So life in Paris was romantic. And until the arrival of one Monsieur Dusak into the life of Juan Luna. I know I'm... Monsieur Dusak? Dusak. 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 So in 1894, four years into their marriage, Luna and Paz, their marriage was already on the rocks. Luna had a temper, and like his brother Antonio, he was not one to be toyed with, for he had very poor control over his emotions. Same. Artist. Go to therapy. I did. I'm heavily medicated now. (laughs) And uh, for Luna, anger and jealousy were two deadly tempests that also made him crazy. Same. Wild. (laughs) Wild. So earlier in the year, Paz had made the mistake of speaking to Luna quite fondly of a certain man whom she had met in Mont d'Or, a mountainous vacation destination in central France. Luna did not like what he heard. Months later, on September 4th, 1892, Dusak called on the Luna residence looking for Paz, and Luna became enraged. Luna threatened Paz that he would would harm her if she continued to speak to other men, especially Dusak. When he was not convinced of her fidelity, he made good on his threat, eventually assaulting her and beating her. As if those were not enough, Luna also destroyed Paz's clothes, prompting her to leave him and seek refuge elsewhere. Oh, he sucks. Yeah, Yeah, he does. (laughs) So then Luna followed Paz and discovered that Dusak was the was also in the house where she escaped to. Deranged and convinced that Paz was lying and having an affair, he returned to the house the following day, beat her with his cane. And then luckily, Don Juliana, Paz's mother, heard the commotion and immediately summoned her sons to protect her daughter from Luna, who threatened to shoot them with his revolver. It was weeks later that Paz's brother Trinidad and Felix came to visit and check on her and her son, who was sick at the time. The visit was brief because the brothers decided to get breakfast at a nearby cafe. 
Don Juliana and Paz decided that they did not want to be left alone in the house, so they went downstairs and made their way to the cafe. But in the doorway, they saw Luna holding a gun. He fired multiple times at Paz and her mother, who screamed and ran back upstairs and locked themselves in the bathroom. Meanwhile, Trinidad and Felix heard the gunshots, ran back to the house immediately. Luna prepared for them and also fired at them, seriously wounding both both brothers. Afterward, he went upstairs and looked for the two women whom he found cowering on the bathroom floor. He pointed his revolver at Don Juliana and killed her with one shot to the head. Then he turned his gun on his wife and also shot her in the head. Somehow she survived the gunshot, but eventually died in the hospital 11 days later. 11 days? That's kind of worse. Yeah. Like, just (gasps) kill me. (laughs) So five months after Luna murdered his wife and mother-in-law, a fact that he admitted to doing, he was acquitted by the court. (gasps) Yeah. So it was a time when criminal and civil laws in Paris generally favored men. In just one day of session, the court dismissed the charges against Luna on the grounds of temporary insanity caused by passion. Oh, my God. I hate that. Yeah. Apart from being found to have been temporarily insane when he killed his wife and his and her mother, an unwritten law in France at the time allowed husbands to punish or kill their wives who were found to commit adultery. Oh, my God. So in the end, the most punishment Luna was made to pay was a price of 40 francs. That's horrible. Yeah, and five days after his acquittal, he moved to Madrid with his son, where he spent the next 17 years. I just feel like that's very French. It was a crime of passion. <laughs> they are a passionate people. You know, <laughs> they do. They do live. I think that France just sucks with their fucking criminals. They do. System. That too, yeah. <laughs> because do you remember when I told the story about Isai Sagawa? And the only reason that he is like a free man is because France was like, go home. Yeah. <laughs> don't, like, we and don't Japan want you was anymore. like, well, I guess we can't charge you for the crime that you committed not committed within in our France. Country. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he was waiting for the brothers to leave, how how much time did it say were between when she moved in and um, it was like two it? weeks. Yeah. Yeah. How was how is that still a crime of passion by temporary? And so he yeah. was just, he was insane. stalking her for two yeah. weeks, assuming that she was having an affair. Yeah. I think it was because he was like this famous painter too. Mm. I don't know how famous he was at the time, but I think he had some like prestige, you know? So, but yeah, it was obviously pre premeditated. Yeah. Like he yeah. waited for the brothers to leave, to come to the house, to try to catch them without the brothers there. Also, it was never, like, proven that she was having an affair. No. No, it was never proven. She just admired. She just said she admired this man to her husband, and he became outrageously jealous and assumed that it meant that there was an affair. Yeah. This is why people should not be monogamous. (laughs) Not where I would have taken it, but I see your point. 100%. (laughs) So the, the Paz's family shunned Luna forever, but they never received any justice for the deaths. But he painted this painting, and there's questions about, like, the portrait of a lady. It was supposed to, like, he told everybody this painting was of his wife. Well, that was not what his wife looked like. His wife was, like, a a dark-haired, had kind of masculine features, heavy brow, you know, and this woman in that painting was red hair, very fair, and so there was the idea that it was his mistress, so, oh, so he, he can, can have a mistress, mm-hmm. but if she admires somebody else, 
I'm just Is saying, if you're hair? both cheating on each other, why are you monogamous? Exactly. Just okay. open up the brown hair. So maybe that could have been his wife, but maybe that could have been his wife. But there like is Auburn speculation hair. that it's that it's not. So the first owner of the painting was Manuel Garcia, and he was a very successful businessman. When he brought the painting home, the ser- a series of bad luck started that led him to sell the painting due to bankruptcy. Oh, wow. Then the, fel- then the painting fell into the hands of Betty Benitez, along with former Secretary of Education. Betsy their vehicle crashed, instantly killing Betty. So she died. In- so Betty died in a car crash after she bought the painting. And then next, Tony Nazarino. After adding the painting to his collection, he suddenly fell ill and had a chain of bad luck. Then he sold the painting to Emi Marcos Manitoc, who suffered a miscarriage. And then Imelda Marcos became the owner of the painting. Who's that? Mother of Emi Marcos, the one who suffered a miscarriage. Imelda Marcos, she was like... Uh, she was the first lady of the Philippines. She so she was the first lady. I knew she was like first lady of the Philippines in like first the 60s. lady of somebody, but she was involved in a big scandal where the government got overthrown, and she ended up like I think having to go on the run and go into hiding. And but now she's back, and she is now serving. But it was like this whole upheaval. Oh. After she got the painting. So basically she she bought the painting. The painting caused the revolution. (laughs) It makes me wonder. Revolution. If it's like, like stuff like this is always fun. Just because like, is there a nefarious power at work? Or is it truly just serendipitous? (laughs) I, I think what it is, is that by and large, rich people suck. There's um, that. And only rich people can afford a painting like this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and they're think, getting what's coming to them. <laughs> I think misfortune falls upon people just all the time. And you can try to find a yeah. reason for it. Or you can, you know, like you can try to find like, oh, it's the cursed painting when it might have just, it's just coincidence. People have shit luck sometimes. But I don't know. That's a string of bad it luck. It's fun in that, that it's painting. like every single person, though. So that's basically the story behind. The curse of the portrait. What is it? The portrait of a lady. Portrait of a lady. What do you guys think? Cursed or not cursed? Cursed. <laughs> I'll say maybe. It's like Belle said. It is weird that it's like every single owner. Every single owner suffered some sort of misfortune. Yeah. Bankruptcy. And car it was crash. like a big misfortune. It wasn't just like miscarriage. Man, yeah, it wasn't just my like my car broke down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Like me, when my car breaks down, I'm like, the universe is out to get <laughs> It was <me."> that painting. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about the hands resist him. That's just a fucking creepy name. So it is a painting that is created it by... It is a creepy painting. It is a creepy painting that was created by Bill Stoneham in 1972 that depicts a young boy and a female doll standing in front of a glass parallel door... Oh, it's a doll? ...or panel door against which many hands are pressed. Oh, yeah, that is fucking creepy. According to Stoneham, the boy is based on a photograph of himself at age five. The doorway is a representation of the dividing line between the waking world and the world of fantasy and impossibilities, while the doll is a guide that will escort the boy through it. The titular hands represent alternative lives or possibilities. 
And then it beca- this uh, painting became the subject of an urban legend and a viral internet meme. All right. So uh, <laughs> the painting was first displayed at a gallery in Beverly Hills during the 70s. During the show, the painting was purchased by actor John Marley, notable for his role as Jack Waltz in The Godfather. Sometime after Marley's death, the painting was found at the site of an old brewery by an elderly Californian couple. So this painting appeared on their eBay auction website in 2000. And they're the ones who say who they say that the painting carried some form of a curse. So some of the claims were that the characters in the painting moved during the night and that they would sometimes leave the painting and enter the room in which it was being displayed. So they Ew. would step out of the painting into the room. Um, the taller the boy. Also included with the listing, there was a series of photographs that were said to be evidence of an incident in which the female doll character threatened the male character with a gun that she was holding, causing him to attempt to leave the painting. I don't understand. What? I love Megan. So, so in the painting, I need to see that movie. It's so good. So in the painting, the doll was threatening the little boy with a gun. I guess. America. Where'd she get the gun? So I'm going to end every national anthem I ever sing. So anyway, (laughs) it's just a really creepy painting. I don't think that, I don't know. What do you guys think? Cursed or not? There's really no other claim, so... I don't think that one. I think that one's just bullshit. It's just a creepy painting. It's creepy. It's a very creepy painting. I wouldn't hang it in my house. I would. All I hope for is a haunted house and some creepy haunted dolls. Maybe a haunted chair or two. Yeah, I know. I want to just go buy a bunch of old shit from Goodwill and bring it home and see if I get some activity. (laughs) There's like this like stretch on Broadway where it's just like a whole bunch of antique antique shows. But that's just expensive. Let's go. Let's go. Let's take grandma. Let's go. Let's go right now. Any doll that's right more now. than like 15 years old is haunted. It's haunted. Oh, yeah. I assume that any doll whose little girl that loved it is dead now is haunted. For sure. Okay. Well, then uh, this is a good place for us to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the main painting. The main painting. The main curse painting. Ooh. I don't know. We need to do Hey, little Shemmies. Thanks for tuning in. While we were on our break, I just wanted to let you guys know how you can get a hold of us if you wanted to send us an email with your spooky stories. I'm still waiting for you to tell me those so I could tell them to you. Our email is ffsthepodcast at gmail.com. We'd also love to hear from you on the various social media sites. We're ffsthepodcast on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook, you can find us at E-F-F-E-D Up Storytime. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in. We love you, Shemmies. And uh, back to the show. All right. Well, should we get back into the story? Woo. Woo. All right. Curse. 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 Cursed paintings. All right. So the, the painting that I really wanted to talk about that spurred this whole rabbit hole that I went down on cursed paintings was went down on some cursed paintings um, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> was uh, 
The Curse of the Crying Boy Painting. Now, has anyone heard of that? No. All right. I'm looking it up. I know. I want to see what it looks like. The Crying Boy. Oh, he does like. He do be crying, though. (laughs) He's like, hmm. He's got the little lip out and everything. Yeah, there's there. It's one of those. Yeah, there's a few different crying boy paintings. Actually, it was uh, so in the '60s and '70s is when uh, mass printing mm. kind of came out, and so that was when they could take paintings and print them on posters, and people could buy replicas of paintings to hang in their homes. And so the crying boy painting was one that was very popular during this era in England, and. There were a few different variations of it. So there isn't one specific crying boy painting. I want to say there's like three or four that I saw. I just don't get I mean, I get it as far as like making a statement. But for people to buy like mass produced prints of just this like really depressed looking crying child and hanging it in their home to look at every day like that wouldn't make me severely yeah. depressed i mean like your yeah, dad I and i to look at a depressed child i'd look in the mirror <laughs> i mean yeah just look at my own kids <laughs> um, but no like your dad and i made a living off of selling replicated artwork like that we sold monet's and you remember that we had them all ha- hanging all over our house cheap ass posters of expensive artwork are you telling me you were con men <laughs> what's going no on? we worked for i mean you've met company. our father <laughs> well, we worked for a company. Oh, okay remember we worked? you guys don't remember we worked no. for a company where we sold artwork we basically drove to different towns and like different business parks and would like run in and be like hey you guys are interested in some artwork for your, you know, like, like we're selling, we got extra, like the whole spiel that you get when you yeah. go door to door. Yeah. We had Ansel Adams. We had all kinds of cool shit. That's fun. That. No. I vaguely remember that. You vaguely remember that? We vaguely. had artwork all over the fucking house. I do remember that. Like we would I just that. stack it up because we'd have to take it out of the car. <laughs> anyway, but I don't get why somebody would have. A crying boy. Like, that's what I don't get. I get the whole replicated art No, thing. and I get that, too, yeah. because you want your house to look nice and you don't want to pay thousands of dollars to do it. I totally understand that. But why was this specific painting distributed and purchased so widely? <laughs> yeah, and it That's was, what I don't understand. It was one of the most common ones, too. It was, like, that's one of so the most pro- popular ones. Yeah. So, during this time... When all of this was popular, and I didn't write down a specific date, sometime in the 70s, I believe, late 70s, uh, there was a fire. There was a fire in the home of Ron and May Hall. The fire was believed to be started by a chip pan and that had been like left to get too hot and the oil caught on fire. I don't know. It's England chip um, oh, whatever yes. Chips or fries. Yeah, I guess. Like a frying pan? A frying pan. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm <laughs> guessing. Yeah. But it quickly spread to engulf the entire house. Um, everything was lost except for a painting of the crying boy. Ew. <gasps> yeah. And this painting. <laughs> I'm just picturing just like this couple, like we lost all the all our possessions in the fire except the crying boy. <laughs> It's just like waking up sadly. from the ash. Just right. Like, well, at least we have the crying boy. At least we have the crying boy. So, um, yeah, and the and the the picture was relatively untouched, just some charring on the edges and stuff. And uh, when the firemen came in to the house, they noticed 
that this picture had been relatively untouched I'm while already, everything else was decimated. Already convinced that it's cursed. <laughs> <laughs> Bell's on board. Um, so uh, they noticed that it was relatively untouched. And the fire chief for that area, he actually had noticed a lot of fires where, like, the fire basically took everything but this painting. But the crying boy. Of a crying <gasps> boy. Yes. The curse even goes through the print. <laughs> it's like the ring. Oh. <laughs> it's like. Oh. It's, like <laughs> it's like how in the ring, if you make, you have, in order to not be cursed, you have to make a copy of it. And then that someone has pass to like. Curse to oh, yeah, pass the pass copy to somebody else. Oh. So it's even the copies are cursed. And if, you, oh. if these people didn't pass on a copy. <gasps> <laughs> So the fire chief, Alan Wilkinson, so he had noticed this trend and he had noticed that these fires, they would be so hot that they would peel the plaster off the walls. Oh my God. But then this the painting, painting would be untouched. This is, um, it wasn't this is always the same version of the crying boy painting. Like I said, there were multiple versions. So that is interesting also. Yeah, that's weird to me because if it's like a... a if it is ring rules, it has to be like a copy of the original exact curse. copy, That's right? So yeah. Weird. So he was a skeptical man. He never really believed in the superstition that it was cursed, but this was enough for him to start a log. And in between 1973 and 1984, he documented over 50 separate blazes where they found a print that was relatively intact. That was basically untouched. Oh, my gosh. And they couldn't explain it at the time. And so that's kind of where they left that, right? Were all the... There are different versions of the painting, but were they all the same artist? Uh, and we'll get into that, too. I don't think that all of... No, I don't think that they were all the same artists. And I don't even know if all of the artists were necessarily known. But we'll get mm -hmm. into that. Also, because there is like a couple of versions that were really popular and then there's a couple others. It's like and they I think people saw the popularity of the Crying Boy paintings. And so then there were other artists that replicated that style, hoping to also sell their artwork. And so I guess you're just asking for a curse if you paint a picture of a fucking crying child. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know if um, I don't know because they're, they don't really document. They say mm. multiple versions, but they don't really say which ones and don't really oh, document that. What a way to protect her mass printing. That's what I was saying. Yeah. What a way to protect your your intellectual property other than cursing everybody who tries to profit <laughs> no off shit. of it without your permission. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Interesting. Especially theory. if it's also if they were the original, then all the people that were inspired by that or just trying to make money off of that mm -hmm. would. Yeah. Yeah. I like your theories. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> it didn't take long for Ron and Mary Hall to start making news because somehow it got out that this painting had survived. And I don't know. I think it was the Halls that took it to the news. But um, they did. So in 1985. So it was in 85 when the fire happened, I guess. They were like, we lost everything and now we have everything. <laughs> you guys will recognize this, maybe. But there is a UK tabloid called The Sun. Yeah. Boo. Seen it in the grocery stores? I know I have. I flipped through that sucker. Boo, The Sun. So they did an interview with The Sun and in which they blamed the painting. The Halls blamed the painting for the fire. And soon other papers noticed the story and it became like the sun 
very quickly realized this was a sensational story That's that would so take funny. their paper far. And so they dug their heels in and other papers jumped on board. And this was like hot topic for them. I love that it's like it was the painting and not the fact that England has been living off of the same infrastructure <laughs> for centuries <laughs> or how about maybe not the fact that you left your fucking pan of oil on the stove well, and, and let it get too hot even and just started considering the fact that like these blazes where entire homes would go up in flames yes and the only surviving thing was the painting the only weird thing about that situation is that the painting survived like it sounds like from the way that yeah. they talked about these fires that they were just like a normal. No, the, and that's what they said is that the fires they could trace every single fire was traced back to a logical cause. And it was usually something simple like forgetting to turn your frying pan off or leaving something too close to the radiator or whatever. It wasn't like weird, mysterious fires that started out of nowhere. Yeah. And you also think about just like like fireproofing yeah. and, you know, that kind of it's thing. It's just why was the fire or why was the painting, why was the painting untouched? But to be like, the painting caused the fire. Well, is- and that's what the Halls did. And they created a lot of that sensationalism themselves, I think, personally. That's my opinion. But after this hit the news, and it was starting to hit different tabloids, uh, there were different statements of other fires involving Crying Boy paintings that started to come in. So Donna Mann from South England bought a painting of the crying boy, and six months later, she lost everything in a fire except the painting, which was untouched. Sandra Cask from Kilbourne, England. Uh, her, and her, her sister-in-law, and a friend all suffered devastating fires since purchasing the print. My question is why so many people wanted a crying child portrait. In I know, I'm still <laughs> stuck on that. <laughs> what? I don't even care if it was like a, a cheaper reproduction. Why do you want that in the first place? Why do you want it? Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get the aesthetic. Well, yeah, what does your home decor look like that you're like, I you know. know what would go great in this room? How uninviting is your household? <laughs> Put the shackles in the corner and hang the, <laughs> crying, the crying boy, boy over there. over there. No, it's very, yeah, I agree. All right, so... Brian Parks from Nottingham. He destroyed his painting after a fire hospitalized his wife and nearly burned down his house. He discovered the painting hanging completely untouched on on the blackened wall when he came home from the hospital from visiting his wife. And he was in such a rage that he destroyed the painting because he was convinced that the painting started the fire. Paul Collier, um, north of England, tried to destroy the picture by putting it on a bonfire and left it for an hour, came back, and it was untouched. A pizza parlor in Norfolk was destroyed, including every painting on its walls except for the crying boy. Not in a pizza yeah, restaurant. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what? <laughs> the crying boy. I told you the crying boy in the pizza. <laughs> Come on, little Jimmy. We're going to get some pizza. Don't mind that little boy crying I know. Could above you, imagine, you, you Could you imagine if you were a child in England during this time period and every single house and establishment that you walked into just had a photo of this really sad looking crying boy <laughs> and how terrified that would have made me if mm-hmm. I were a child and would have had to go into a home with a fucking picture of this really scary looking crying boy. Mama, why is the boy sad? <laughs> why is he crying, Mama? Why is he crying, Mama? Should I be crying, Mama? 
As all of these stories accumulated, new details emerged that encouraged the idea that possession of a print put owners at risk of fire or serious injury. One owner from London claimed she had seen her print swing from side to side on the wall, while another from from some other place said that her 11-year-old son had caught... Some other place? Pagenton? From Pagenton. Pagentown. Pagentown. Pagentown, England, said that her 11-year-old son had caught his private parts on a hook after she bought the picture. That sounds like like an 11-year-old. Yeah, that sounds like your 11-year-old trying to explore something. Yeah, it sounds like two separate problems right there. And then there was Mrs. Rose Farrington of Preston in a letter published by The Sun wrote that since I bought it in 1959, my three sons and my husband have all died. I've often wondered if it had a curse. So this is where I think it gets interesting. So the son who had like perpetuated this whole idea of the cursed painting by taking in all these stories, it's a tabloid, right? It's exploiting this idea. They decide all of these people are terrified of these paintings. So bring them to us. They put out like this message to their readers that said bring your paintings to us if you're afraid of them and we will take care of them and then halloween 1985 they held a bonfire where they burned all of the crying boy paintings and made this huge publicity stunt out of it basically so how are your portraits coming not very good (laughs) (laughs) i'm done terrifying Mama. <laughs> yours, is, yours is really scary. Mama. Oh, yours is sad. It is sad. It's like our baby on our thing only crying. That's the only way I know how to draw a baby. <laughs> Very Art. good, guys. Very good. All right. So after the bonfire, the story was uncovered by a well, quote, well-respected researcher in occult matters, a retired schoolmaster from Devon named George Mallory. So he decided to do some investigating into, like, the artist that painted it, the history behind the painting, and, like, if is this curse a real thing? So a lot of the paintings, they were signed by um, Bragolin, B-R-A-G-O-L-N, Bragolin. So he, Angelo Bragolin. So he traced this back to Bruno Amadio. So what he discovered, he traced this back to this uh, Bruno Amadio, but we're going to call him Bragolin because that's what he put on his paintings. But traced it back to this man who was in Madrid in the 60s and this artist. And he met an orphan. This And this orphan was mute. And he kind of, and he had like had to run away from his home and he was living in a local orphanage. And he had heard the story that, the kid's house had burned down in a fire and that's why he'd become an orphan. And so he had befriended this boy. He felt sorry for this boy. This boy was friendly for him, friendly to him. And he is said to be the subject of the painting. While he was there in Madrid, a Catholic priest noticed that he had become friendly with this boy and he came up to warn him. The priest told him that the boy's name is Don Benio and he had a sinister curse that followed him. We know his family's home had burned down. 
that left him an orphan. But wherever he settled after this, mysterious fires would start. And the locals at that point had started to call him El Diablo, which means the devil, because fires started everywhere that he went. poor little kid. (laughs) So against the warnings of the, the priest, the artist decided to adopt Don Benio, and he took him home. And he took him back to his studio, and shortly after the boy had moved in with him, Bragolin's studio caught fire and burned down. And Bragolin was so upset that he told Benio that you are the reason this happened. You have cursed me. And he kicked him out of his home and said, leave. I never want to see you again. And so then a few years after this, so at, at this point, Bragolin had ne- didn't see the boy again, never saw the boy again after that. So then in 1976 in uh, Barcelona, there was a car crash. Uh, The car hit a wall and then went up in a ball of fire. When the emergency people arrived, they couldn't get to the driver because he was engulfed in flames, but they could get around to the other side and get to whatever side it was and get to the glove compartment where they were able to retrieve a driver's license or an ID. And the name on the ID was Don Benio. Oh. So... The assumption is is that that was the same Don Benio that had been with Bra- Bragolin, Bragolin, Bragolin. So sad, just especially just like again thinking about how much better we are these days at fire safety and how not good we were up until about three decades ago about fire safety and the fact that this poor kid who probably just had. A really bad string of luck. Yeah. It was like vilified his whole life. If he was and even like, real. I mean, there is a whole question of like, is he even is real? This was this story even true? Because there's no documentation. Like there's this story. I don't know where you get documentation about the car crash, but there is no other documentation. It's all just a story. So, yeah. But that is said <clears throat> to be the subject of the crying boy. That's pretty much it. I mean, there's a lot of accounts. You can get on to any kind of social media and uh, Google. Get on the interwebs and you can look it up. And I'm sure you'll find hundreds of people saying the crying boy caused a fire and cursed their family. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Cursed. I think it's cursed. You think so? You don't think it was just the tabloid sensation? I mean, it's weird that it uh, like... I understand that there was bad fire safety, but, and like the infrastructure probably didn't help with the fact that there were fires all the time. But the fact that all of these people had the painting in their house. Well, and I think for me, the thing that is the weirdest about it is that it was enough of a pattern that these homes would have be completely destroyed all, but this one painting enough of a pattern for the, like the fire chief was keeping a log of all of these different instances where this had happened. I think that for me, like this fire chief who's like this logical guy, like not superstitious or anything is noticing that this weird thing is happening enough that he's like documenting it. I do want to say that this is something I left out and this is maybe why I have a different opinion than you guys. This is a very important thing that I left out that they did do some experiments on the pictures specifically like they were manufactured from the same place and they were all basically 
made the same way. And what they discovered is that because it was a really thick press board, the way that the picture was put on, that it didn't easily burn. That it was hard to burn that. And, but then that the, the wire that came with the picture that hung the picture on the wall was very would melt very quickly. So what really happened in all of the fires is they would find the picture untouched, but you all have this image of it being on the wall untouched, right? That's what they did in the tabloids, all of that. That's not the case. The majority of it, the picture had fallen off of the wall and then landed face down on the floor. And so then as everything burned around it, because it was this press board that wasn't easily burned and because it was laying down on the floor like that, it it only charred the edges. The way that I imagined it was like the whole house is in ash, but then out of the ash popping is like the the photo of the crying boy. He's just staring right at you, his face in tears. And I don't think it was that way in every single house, but I think the majority of the houses. Yeah, well, and then that also explains where you had said that somebody tried to burn it and it didn't burn. Well, and when they did the bonfire, they did say that they were able to burn all of the pictures, but it did take a long time to get them to catch. Like you had to get that heat. So let me ask you again. Cursed or not cursed? Cursed. <laughs> Probably not. This is an important question because I purchased one on eBay. I think, and I want to know really? who's really going to, who's going to, who's willing to take it home. I'll take it home. Did you actually? No, I'll I do was, it. No. I haven't it yet, but it was Give it to my old apartment complex. I think it's, I say cursed because I think it's weirdly coincidental that he died in a fiery ball. Yeah. I mean, if you believe that story, it, it, I think I would say cursed, especially if you believe the story of Don Benio and Bragolin finding him on the streets mm-hmm. and then him. Di- yeah. And catching the studio on fire and all of that. If you believe that story, then definitely. I don't know. But I don't know. Well, and if there were different versions, did all of the versions have the same? He didn't paint them all like he's only. Attributed no, to no, no, one. but I mean, I'm, I'm of the, of going the back a second. All of the prints. If all of the prints were different versions. But if they were all of the same boy, technically, because they were based on So if other people painted it him, based on that boy, be... yeah. Well, and I just yeah. mean, did they all have the same manufacturer? manufacturer. Mm. I think it was more just like there was only one or two places that manufactured mass oh. printing, oh, mass oh, prints okay. back then because it was a new thing. So, like, every picture, theoretically, then, that you would buy from that manufacturer would have... You would think, but the then... The same thing would happen. So it's yeah, just I don't random... know, because they only tested the Crying Boy paintings when they did their experiments on them, but then why weren't there other mass-printed yeah. paintings? Yeah, yeah there's that. I still think that it's a curse that the original artist put on his work so that everybody who <laughs> printed it after... This is actually Don't an reproduce. allegory for <laughs> mass reproduction. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's the story of the crying boy painting and the curse of other paintings. And I like it. Well, story. Yay. You want to see my new crying boy? Yes. He has poop on his head. Oh, he he's did. an acorn. He's, he's an the... acorn. What's your happy story? Um, A pee pee corner. Well, that was really fucked up. That was only. Oh, it wasn't really <laughs> it was that kind fucked, of fucked up. up. What was most fucked up about it, I think, was the fact that the tabloid could have potentially caused this entire, like it, the ta- That's the way I see it. Is like the tabloid jumped on this, and they were like, "Score!" Oh yeah, created a whole curse. But the, the sun be doing what the sun be doing. Humanity. Well, <laughs> so true. <laughs> that 
that's applicable in every story we tell, I think. Uh. <laughs> so, Yale has honored young nine-year-old Bobby Wilson for her efforts in curbing the spread of the invasive spotted lantern fly. I almost did this one. <laughs> and I think it's funny because the heroes in this story are really Karens that saw this poor girl outside experimenting with her new bug spray and thought that it was scary and called the police. And the police came and figured out what she was doing. And then once the parents like brought it to the attention of like the news or something. Then Yale got involved and was like, wait, what's this kid doing? And so they honored her as a scientist. I just thought that was, she's a hero, but they're also the subsequent heroes, even though they tried to be villains. <laughs> yeah. Because they brought attention, but I thought that's cool. I don't know. You almost did this story. What do you have to add? I don't know. Just that I think it's nice that something good could come out of such a shitty situation. Yeah. And like traumatizing situation for a poor little young black girl. Yeah. Who's just like fucking because spotted lanternflies are so bad. Like they're an invasive species. Mm -hmm. They're like killing plants and trees. And yeah, they're like the stupid beetles that killed our tree. Yeah. And so like people are like saying that you should go out and kill them whenever you see them. And she was just doing that. And then these fucking. She was like Bitchy testing out Karen's. her own bug spray yeah. that she had created. Like she's this smart little girl. Yeah. And so I think that's cool. You go, Bobby. Woo. Good job. Yeah. yeah. Science. So that's it. There you Women go. Women in STEM. Women in STEM. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye, Shemmies. Join us.